Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two. It's Thursday. It's a game day. It's May 11th. Bob Camp, Caleb Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Phoenix Suns look to extend the series against the Denver Nuggets tonight, 7 o'clock from Footprint Center. We'll reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll do so with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is about those Phoenix Suns. What happens Thursday night? Nuggets plus three and a half or Suns minus three and a half. And while there's been an adjustment here, the Nuggets plus three and a half out in front at 58% of the vote. Suns minus three and a half at 42%. It's been an adjustment on this number in the last couple of hours or so, too, as far as just uh, internationally. Uh, There's plenty of two and most everybody's two and a half now. And there's a few twos out there in Las Vegas right now, in fact. We'll answer that question around 11.30 today. Switching this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Will you pay close attention today to the 2023 NFL schedule release? I believe the schedule release show is at 5 o'clock local time. Uh, The masses are now on the no side of things at 52.9%. Yes, trailing at 47.1%. Maybe it's just a local thing that uh, the locals don't care about the Cardinals schedule. (laughs) But... I'm guessing if we ask this question in most cities, it'd be uh, you know, overwhelmingly that they are going to pay attention tonight when uh, the schedule release shows on ESPN and NFL Network, and apparently Amazon's doing a thing on its own for the uh, for the Thursday night schedule. Uh, we'll answer that question around 11.30 today, so there's still time for you to cast your vote. There's also time for you to get involved. We'll take your calls around 11.15, and the number, as always, is 602-260-1060. Uh, so let's get into the NBA playoffs from last night. You had the Knicks fending off elimination over the Heat in New York last night, 112-103. to Jalen Brunson, he played the entire game, 38 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, had some contributions from R.J. Barrett with 26, Julius Randle with 24. Uh, Jimmy Butler, he was just 5 of 12, 19 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. And and kind of the explosive one on offense for the Heat was Duncan Robinson with 17 points, 5 of 10 from 3. Uh, but obviously here the Heat still up 3-2 in the series. Yeah, Robinson made some huge shots. They made a comeback in the second half and uh, – yeah, there was, a, I think, some doubt whether the Knicks were going to win. I think the doubt whether the Knicks win or not, whether you trust their offense. And this was unwatchable basketball, quite frankly, for the first quarter and a half or so. Uh, and the Knicks actually played very well offensively in the final three quarters. And you mentioned that Randall played, you know, the 48 minutes in this game. And that's, uh, you know, not done very often, but uh, you know, they didn't have much choice, quite frankly. And, and also, Grimes played all 48 minutes, and uh, he's a good defender. I assume that's why he was on the floor. The Knicks just don't kind of they're, – they're not good in the backup situation as far as guard play goes. And quickly, 
once again out for their injuries now missed i think it's two maybe two and a half three i don't think it's three full games but he's missed significant time and you know the fact that he's out uh you know really doesn't leave uh you know thibodeau much of a choice but to leave those guys in the game uh, so kind of to that point here with Brunson playing 48 minutes uh, and Grimes playing 48 minutes, did they empty the tank just to stave off elimination? Do they have anything left for, for Friday night? I have no idea. Um, but uh, I don't. Uh, I just don't think they're very good. <laughs> so that's my guess. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, if you just take a look at the playoffs, even the series against Cleveland that they won, and I was wrong about that series entirely, uh, I think most people were. Cleveland was favored to win that series, and it seemed like most of the, the most of the uh, at least the uh, the betting action in the the marketplace uh, dictated that people thought Cleveland was going to do well even from game to game in that series, and we were all wrong. They're the, the people that were included in that group. We were all wrong, uh, but uh, the Knicks are just a. And I mentioned they had three really good quarters of offense, but unfortunately for New York, I think we see too many quarters like the first quarter where you wonder if they were ever going to score. Uh, the Knicks are plus five, Heat minus five. That game tomorrow, 4.30 p.m. But to your point on the Cavaliers, they have to be a little bit disappointed. I mean, there was it, it, there was definitely these tiers in the East where you had the Bucks and you had the Celtics, and then there was a separation to the 76ers, and then another separation to the Cavs. But they, were, they had elevated themselves, and there was definitely a separation from them in the rest of the East. So they have to be a little bit disappointed that they didn't get that series victory over the the Knicks and aren't playing in this particular series against the Heat. Their big time guys just didn't play well. Um, I don't think there's a, a whole lot of analysis and you don't really need to break it down statistically. I mean, you know, it was, uh, you know, the big, uh, certainly the big two, uh, that didn't go well. And, uh, you know, their complimentary players didn't do anything in that particular series. They clearly were beaten. Uh, there's no question that the Knicks played far better in that series, much to my surprise, and as I mentioned, many others. Uh, so then you had a second game last night uh, where there was another potential elimination, but the Warriors, they fended off that opportunity by beating the Lakers 121 to 106. So all attention is going to be, though, on Anthony Davis as he was struck in the head inadvertently by Kavon Looney in the fourth quarter. After that, he did not return. Just... Uh, he has not been ruled or diagnosed with a concussion. The last I saw this morning is that the expectations is that he would play in game six, but just for reference, NBA concussion protocol states that a player diagnosed with a concussion is prohibited from returning to action on that same day or the next calendar day and must complete the league mandated return to participation process involving frequent monitoring and a series of increased exertion exercises before cleared, not diagnosed though with a concussion but clearly uh was not right after getting hit in the head he did have 23 points 10 of 18 and nine rebounds before he left the contest yeah it seems like all the nba insiders are in agreement on this this morning that they expect him to play in the next game tomorrow night 
Uh, LeBron James, 25 points, 9 of 17, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. For the Warriors here, you had your your typical contribution from Steph Curry, 27 points, but interestingly, 3 of 11 from 3, a huge night from Draymond Green, 20 points, 7 of 11, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists, and another big night, too, from Andrew Wiggins, 25 points, 10 of 18. Two players right there, Draymond and Andrew, who we uh, talked about in yesterday's show about the Warriors and uh, probably needing them to step up and we haven't really seen that Andrew Wiggins so far in these playoffs I disagree with that I think he had a pretty good series against Sacramento he didn't do much in this series until last night Uh, Draymond he's had two or three games now in the postseason that he's been especially aggressive offensively and uh, that was uh, he was certainly um, that's one of the things that uh, Steve Kerr talked about. Actually, if you listen to the huddle things during the TNT broadcast, uh, he kept talking about how you need to be aggressive offensively. And, you know, Green took that to heart. I mean, he, he took the ball to the rim. And that's one of the first things. In fact, that was the very, very first thing I talked about with Sean Devaney from Heavy.com during the sports zone today when we got to the uh, to the game last night is that. Uh, you know, the fact that Green was so aggressive offensively. John accurately pointed out that, you know, that doesn't happen a whole lot because you don't really know if it's going to be good Draymond as far as shooting percentage or whether it's two for 12 Draymond. <laughs> That's true. But the Warriors definitely needed him last night to have the that good offensive performance. You didn't really get it from Clay. Uh, you certainly didn't get it from, uh, you know, Jordan Poole as well. He's just been so inconsistent. So they have, though, fended off elimination. And so when it comes, though, to some of the question marks that we're heading into the contest is the consistency with which the Lakers have played when there's not necessarily a must-win situation. Do they come prepared and ready to go? And we've kind of seen um, maybe the answer to that is not really, but now they're back home, still have a one-game lead, and can close it out uh, tomorrow. Well, they're undefeated at home in the postseason, and actually I believe they have a winning streak, uh, double digits now going back to the regular season at home. I actually didn't think this was a very good game last night. I didn't think that either team played particularly well. Uh, especially the Warriors. Uh, they had like, a, I believe it was a zero for 11 stretch and threes in the second half until they finally hit a couple in the fourth quarter. Kaminga hit, believe it or not, one of the threes in the fourth quarter, but they had a healthy lead at that point, hence Kaminga in the game. Uh, but uh, like I said, I was actually really disappointed in the level of play this game last night. I thought it was pretty, pretty average. Uh, the Warriors, the last I saw, plus two, Lakers minus two for tomorrow's contest. When we look at today's contest ahead of the Suns, 4.30 p.m., it's the Celtics and the 76ers. Celtics minus two and a half, 76ers plus two and a half. Uh, just some numbers here. The Celtics shot 38% from behind the arc in games one through four. They averaged 44 points in the paint in those first four games. But then, uh, and then they also outscored Philly's bench 124 to 84 in those first four games. Game five, though, a little bit different. The Celtics shot just 32% from three, and the bench didn't have that positive point differential uh, when you discounted garbage time. So for the 76ers, though, it's been a bit of a mixed bag in terms of who's scoring the points, but you are seeing a healthier Joel Embiid make his imprint, at at least in game five. Yeah, I actually really thought, and we talked about this with Gene in the last hour, I actually thought that Daniel House was a huge difference in this game. 
I'm not exactly still sure why Doc went with him, uh, but he gave him an opportunity, and I thought he he, he had like 10 points and, and so forth, but I, he did a lot at both ends of the floor, and I think he had a whole lot to do. I would have never guessed this in a million years, but uh, you know, before the game or maybe even partly during the game, but he had a huge part of that game, uh, game five victory for, uh, for Philadelphia and Boston. We'll see what happens tonight. The betting market is certainly on the Celtics in this game. Uh, pretty much two and a half everywhere, even a couple of threes uh, earlier this morning. Those seem to have vanished here in the last half hour or so, though. Back to two and a half, pretty much universally speaking. For me, I think it's really important to see uh, Jason Tatum get off to a good start that he hasn't had. He's had some sluggish starts in this series, and it's certainly his his ability to score the basketball is really important to the success of the Celtics here. So him getting off to a much better start, I think, kind of sets the tone for what the Celtics want to do. I agree with that. Also, I think equally as important, Jalen Brown's had foul issues in this series in multiple games, as has Tatum. Uh, but, yeah, Tatum's uh, a couple of the games the Celtics won. Well, they only won a couple. But at least one of those games, uh, he had foul issues and they still won that game. Uh, but, you know, that, that, you know Brown, uh, the fact that he matches up better against the perimeter defenders, Harden, for instance, uh, and uh, you know, once he's got into foul trouble, they've had to take him off of Harden, and uh, those are not coincidentally the two games where Harden just lit it up. That's a 4.30 p.m. contest. We'll save the breakdown of the Phoenix Suns for when we answer the poll question around 11.30. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question, so still time for you to cast your vote. But you can also voice your opinion, 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls now, get to you on the other side of the break. In addition to that, we'll get a little bit into the NFL. It's schedule release day tonight at 5 p.m., but we do know some of the games and some of the contests when they'll be played and who will be playing one another so we'll get into all of that but if you'd like to join the show uh provide your prediction for tonight's game six with the suns and the nuggets 602 260 1060 it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. Eleven twenty-one, right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Your phone calls if you'd like to join the show, 602-260-1060. Well, these NFL schedule release is tonight, 5 p.m. on ESPN NFL Network. And as you've pointed out, think there's something going on on Amazon TV as well. Uh, but as the leaks continue, I don't even know if we can call them leaks because the NFL is purposely putting them out there. So that's probably not the right term, but they're out there. Uh, the NFL season gets started. Are you ready for it? I know that you were so anticipating this. The Lions versus the Chiefs, September 7th. 
I find this fascinating because the Lions went from having no primetime games except for the last one of the season last year, which was flexed into that position, to now being featured in week one against the defending champs in Arrowhead to kickstart the season. Yeah, I can't wait. Let me write this down <laughs> in my calendar and make sure I don't miss this. Uh, yeah, it uh, seemed like they could have done better than, you know, the Lions are fun. But, I mean, you know, opponent for the Chiefs to start the season? Really? How come? I guess they did the Chargers last year, huh? So they didn't want to do that one again uh, for the first week of the season. But I'm perplexed. And, yeah, that's obviously I'll watch. It's the first game of the season, et cetera. But I'm not going to be counting the hours before the game starts. So did maybe the NFL uh, overestimate the power of the Lions and Dan Campbell and Hard Knocks and all the fun that uh, we've seen from this Lions team and also then kind of the uh, the hoopla surrounding the Lions heading into the NFL draft and what the expectations were for them? Maybe. I mean, you know, just take a look at the division opponents. You know, they probably got duped into a couple of situations. They definitely got duped into a couple of situations last year with the Broncos. So do <laughs> they? are they sure the Broncos are going to be good? And then you got the Raiders, who they, case can be made. They're worse than they were at the end of last year. Uh, so that uh, you know, probably don't want to deal with that. And as I mentioned, you know, the Chargers and the, and the Chargers and the Chiefs, I believe that was the first, uh, you know, you know, the first Al Michaels game last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, maybe they just didn't want to do that again. Uh, so then you also had the other leak for today to kickstart week one on ESPN for Monday Night Football. I mean, absolutely no surprise that Aaron Rodgers was going to get uh, a primetime slot for his first attempt in a Jets uniform. It's Bills versus Jets uh, Monday Night Football here. So I guess the question is, how many primetime games for the Jets this year? Is the max six games now? I think it is. I would say six. I mean, where were the maxes? I think it's up to six now. It used to be five. I think it's six. If I heard the, the numbers right. And they actually mentioned, I'm not paying attention to this, quite frankly, this week, but I believe I heard that during the draft uh, when they were you know, kind of uh, NFL Network was constantly during the draft hyping that in two within two weeks we'll have the NFL schedule release. And I'm pretty sure that Rich Eisen at some point said six times max now and that that's up from before that probably makes sense because they changed the rule that you can now be on thursday night football twice right the other thing is you don't have it to have every team on once uh, which i would be shocked if the cardinals had any prime time games this year uh, let, let me just take a second, though, and pause with the Jets here because obviously they are getting a ton of attention because of Aaron Rodgers coming to to the team and just the lack of forward pass that they had last year. They seemingly had pieces on offense weapon-wise. Uh, Brees Hall expected to come back from his injury. Garrett Wilson bringing in Alan Lazard. Uh, then you also have, of course, the really good defense, Sauce Gardner on the defensive side of the ball. So a couple of things though kind of come to mind that you know maybe we're 
going a little too quickly by saying, yeah, like just insert Aaron Rodgers and everything's going to be great because you do have the fact that uh, they have a new offensive coordinator. It is somebody that Aaron Rodgers has worked with previously in Nathaniel Hackett. The question here is how is he going to perform as a play caller? When he was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, he didn't call the plays. Matt LaFleur did. We saw what happened in Denver. So the last time that he uh, really had that offensive coordinator position and calling the plays was actually with Jacksonville from 2016 to 2018. So how are they going to kind of all come together? And uh, how much input is Aaron Rodgers going to be allowed to have on the offense and what he wants to do? So that's my first question. Okay. My answer to that and probably the next question too is I really don't care. Uh, If they don't have an offensive line, I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the wide receivers are. I don't care if Brees Hall is healthy. Uh, if they don't have an offensive line, which they were awful in that area last year, and they got sniped from the guy they actually wanted to pick in the first round this year, I don't care who it is. Uh, I th- to me, they are closer to the third team in this division than they are the Buffalo Bills. Interesting. So I did have offensive line listed there. Maybe I should have started with that. Uh, Then my next question here is, will Aaron Rodgers be better this season? We obviously know he's an improvement from Zach Wilson, but the question marks are we did see some uh, deterioration last year from him. And so can it all be stemmed to the thumb injury that he had? Can it all be stemmed to uh, the young wide receivers that he had? So, or is it just kind of overall a, a depletion in his productivity. So I think those are still some question marks that are looming about what we're going to see and what Aaron Rodgers we're going to see. Totally agree. And also he didn't have the best offensive line situation in green Bay last year either. Uh, So I think that also played a role clearly though, you know, there were inaccurate throws that we had seen from Rodgers in the past. And I know he had the thumb thing and, whether and when exactly all that happened, I don't recall all the circumstances, but it sure seemed like a couple of times when we thought he was healthy that there were passes, including that last game against Detroit on the Sunday night where, you know, where's that ball going? And uh, even a couple of decisions in that particular game against Detroit we had nothing to do with his thumb unless you're, you know, maybe his brain is – affecting uh you know this thumb is affecting affecting his brain decisions uh whatever but uh you know clearly i think it's a legitimate question of you know how much of that stuff that was going on last year was Aaron Rodgers and how much of everything else going around here but i just am mystified that i hear everybody seem to say that the jets are so super bowl contenders and la di da i think it's more likely at least as of right now that miami finishes ahead of the jets than uh, the Jets actually challenging Buffalo. Now, yeah, I have that written down in terms of the you know pecking order that we're going to see in this AFC East. For the last couple of years, it's really been the class of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, then you have the emergence here of the Dolphins, and they uh, you know obviously were struggling with quarterback play due to injuries and things of that nature as the season went along. Then you had the Jets, who had zero quarterback play, and then you have the Patriots. So I think it's fair to say that the Patriots are going to be fourth in the division here. So I guess for you, what is it about? Is it more anti-Jets or is it more pro-Dolphins? Why you think that the Dolphins will be better than the Jets this year? It's more anti-Jets. I just don't trust the offensive line, and they've done nothing to improve that area, in my mind, this offseason. 
Back to the schedule. You had mentioned the Raiders. Well, they're getting a primetime game. Uh, the Raiders at the Chiefs on Christmas Day. It's going to be a Nickelodeon game as well on CBS. So once again, the NFL is infiltrating Christmas Day, which is going to be a Monday uh, this year. And we already knew that the Giants were going to be at the Eagles as well on Christmas Day. So I believe there is one more Christmas Day game that we are left to find out about, unless it's since broken Ooh. since I wrote this down. But there you go. I'm holding, I'm holding my breath. Um, I don't even know if I have Nickelodeon. Uh, well, since you don't have is kids, on, is I can... On, is, is that on Cox Cable? I don't even know. If we, obviously, I don't watch it if I have it, but if, you know, I've, I've no idea. <laughs> um, yes, I think you probably do, but uh, I'll okay. research what channel it would be on Cox Cable for okay. you. And you can check it out. Okay, with the... well, you got you got you got till Christmas Day to research it. So let me know. Because I'm sure you yeah, want to watch the slime game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, I've seen some like I guess kind of like highlights of the slime games that they <laughs> you know, they they've shown those somewhere. Um, you know, I'm not sure if it's NFL Network or ESPN, just some of the, you know, here's what you missed type of thing. And, uh, yeah, so I, th- th- I thought that was kind of fun, actually. But uh, I'm not sure that uh, – I'm just glad the Cardinals aren't playing a home game on Christmas Day, which I assume is the case. I'm, I'm guessing they're not going to be the mystery team that's uh, revealed tonight playing on the third game on Christmas Day. You probably have a chance of being 100% right. Uh, you know, so the NFL has certainly, though, enjoyed. You need to say, need to say that more often, by the way. <laughs> I have a chance to be 100% right. I'll work on it. Um... Okay. I'm sure you will. <laughs> so the NFL, though, the last couple of years has had the opportunity to capitalize on Christmas Day with, you know, Saturday, Sunday, now Monday, and it all kind of coinciding with things that they normally do for an NFL schedule at the end of the year. I have to imagine, though, that uh, they've seen the success that they've had with these Christmas Day games, so it's going to be a part of uh, you know, the schedules moving forward once Christmas gets off of a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But it made me think about how unhappy the NBA must be because they have typically owned Christmas Day with five games on Christmas Day. And, and yet now you're going to be competing with the eyeballs and the attention of the NFL. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure what the you're the ratings queen here. Um, so I'm not sure what the ratings were last year on Christmas Day for the NBA. Uh, so I'm not positive how that works out. I'm just looking. You know, Monday, Christmas Day is a Monday this year. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So I guess you, you, know, you could extend the weekend. I'm guessing that people would extend the weekend. <laughs> and some people have that Monday off because it's a quote holiday. So there you go. Um, All right. So I thought this was interesting as well. I mean, there's been so much advancement to the world of travel. Uh, You have private planes. You have just really the accommodations are first rate for these athletes. So I'm not 100 percent sure that mileage is something that is as big of a deal as it's been before. But I did think it was interesting when I saw that what the projected travel mileage will be for teams this season. Number one on the list was the Seattle Seahawks with 31,600 total miles of travel. This obviously including the increasement of, um, you know, the international games as well. Then you have uh, the Cardinals checking in seventh with 25,126 miles. But then in 32nd is the Bengals. They don't have to travel anywhere. It's just 11,942 total miles of travel for Cincinnati this year. 
Seattle's always number one in this, aren't they? I'm pretty sure. Uh, Miami and Seattle, if I remember correctly, seems like they're always one and two in this group. Uh, as far I remember, Baltimore had like the in Pittsburgh have had the fewest travel travel miles. And I think should, certainly their you know, midwestern location has something to do with that. Also, Bob, uh, Cox Channel number 37 is Nickelodeon. If you tuned in now, you could watch watch a little Paw Patrol. Okay, I'm going to flip over here from the baseball game, which is between innings after you, Darvish, just struck out the last hitter and uh, see what we got going here. And uh, for some reason, it's not changing. I'll, I'll, I'll figure this out during the break. That's what breaks are for. Okay, I'm... <laughs> anticipating what you discover about Paw Patrol next. Uh, in addition to that, though, we will dive into the poll question. What happens tonight? Nuggets plus three and a half, Suns minus three and a half, as well as uh, will you pay attention to the 2023 NFL schedule release? Those poll questions, KDOS1060.com, as well as on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. It's Bob Kemp. It's Kayla Morslaro. It is The Extra Point. Back after this. Turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. We have some developments here for tonight's contest with the Suns and the Nuggets. It's the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Being reported here that Jamal Murray is now listed as questionable for tonight's game with a non-COVID related illness. So uh, I know you've pointed out that we have to be pretty trepidatious about these designations for injuries, et cetera, as they haven't 100% been on par so far. But that's new, and uh, that just got added today. Well, the market certainly reacted in the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, you know, threes pretty much everywhere in Nevada, even some three-and-a-halves with the Suns favored now. Well, now let's get into the game for tonight. It's the KDOS1060.com poll question. What happens Thursday night? Nuggets plus three and a half. Suns minus three and a half. I have no idea. Um, Obviously, uh, the home teams won every game and cover every game thus far. And I think the Nuggets have a long history of uh, this team or teams from 40 years ago. Uh, they're great in altitude and maybe not so great when they go on the road. So uh, certainly not taking the nuggets here. And I just don't have enough faith in the Suns at this point. And we're not even sure of Aiton's status for tonight uh, with the rib situation. And obviously Chris Paul has been ruled out. So this game is strictly a pass for me. But based on the poll question and forced to pick somebody, I would take the Suns just for the fact that they've won the home games and they're playing at home. Yeah, so I look at this here, and obviously the, the the Nuggets made some adjustments in Game 5. They put more pressure on Booker. They didn't allow him to get to his spots with as much of ease as he had been doing in the previous games here. Uh, and it really requires, though, for the offensive movement to really start to open things up for Kevin Durant to start knocking down some of those open, open looks that he's going to be getting uh, in rhythm. In addition to that, with the pressure that the Nuggets keep putting on Booker, 
Booker and KD, uh, the role players have to be so essential. And we saw that they were able to do that uh, in games three and four at home. So I'm leaning in the direction that we've been seeing this uh, it, throughout this series, that the role players seem to have much better success being at home. So at this point, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know if it's going to be Landry Shamit again. I don't know if it's going to be a campaign game. I don't know if it's going to be Terrence Ross or TJ Warren, or if it's more like game three, where it was these snippets of contributions from those guys that came at the most critical moments. I don't know if it's going to be that type of effort, but I, I think being at home uh, really has has a, a lot to do with the role player success that we've seen so far. And so therefore they're capable of, of stepping up in that capacity. I am a little concerned though, because we don't know much about it. Obviously he's not listed on the injury report, but we did see Booker and the foot injury, uh, in game five in the first quarter there. Um, and then we saw throughout the rest of the game that he just wasn't as explosive. And that's what has been so uh, one of the many things that has been so impressive about Booker so far is just how explosive he's been uh, at opportunities and how quick he's been off the bounce. And so if that's hindered a little bit, I think that that really does play into the favor of the Nuggets because he's just been so dynamic in those particular positions in those situations. I do think it comes down to, uh, you know, if Katie is not hitting his shots, he has to find a way to take it to the hole like he did uh, in in game three because being passive is not going to, to work. It's not going to help. So it's going to take an effort and, an, and a contribution from everybody firing on all cylinders. To your point, we've seen home teams have much more success uh, so far in this series. Question marks about the Nuggets and their ability to have uh, their role players step up as well on the road. So I think, though, with the home court advantage, uh, proving that uh, you have to win this game to stay alive, I have no intentions of saying three and a half so winning by four but i do think the suns are going to win tonight okay as far as just a couple other quick things here i think it's really important to monitor the aaron gordon minutes he's done a really good job against durant in this series durant's one really efficient game offensively he came and when gordon got two fouls really i think it was per, i got to check my notes here but i'm pretty sure it's before even the first tv timeout and uh, he was you know, certainly, uh, you know, plagued by foul issues and certainly, uh, you know, changed the substitution pattern for Michael Malone in that particular game. Uh, the other thing that I'll throw in is the Suns reserves. While they had guys that had, you know, some success at home, you know, rarely, in fact, neither of those games did any of those guys simultaneously play really well at home. It was either one game or the other. Uh, that they were, you know, had some success, but you know, I think to win tonight, uh, that they're going to have to have more than one guy off the bench contribute, as opposed to one guy just kind of, you know, performing at a high level off the bench, which happened in both of the games three and four here. One thing I will ask, because you did mention DeAndre Ayton being questionable with the rib contusion, and so if that impacts his game, if he does go, uh, does that mean more Jock Landell minutes? Does that mean uh, more Jock Landell and trying to get a few minutes out of Bismarck Biombo? Yeah, maybe. Um, obviously, they've decided that Biombo really has no chance against Jokic uh, throughout this series, not playing at all in recent games. Uh, as far as Landau, he's one of those guys. He had a really good game three and had a whole lot to do with them winning that game, but it was pretty much average in game four, and he was bad in game five. 
The masses, though, are they're on the Nuggets side of things. Plus three and a half at 58 percent of the vote. Suns minus three and a half at 42 percent of the vote. That's on uh, the website kdus1060.com. Speaking of the website, you can always podcast. Uh, Bob had a conversation. Sean Devaney, heavy.com. Bob and I chatted with Gina Mizell, Philadelphia Inquirer. You can podcast kdus1060.com or with the KDUS 1060 app. Flipping this on over to Twitter, we've been talking about the NFL schedule release. So will you pay close attention today to the 2023 NFL schedule release? Yes or no? And uh, my answer is no, because I will be watching NBA basketball and uh, going to the game tonight. So no. Okay. That's a good answer. Uh, Better than mine. Uh, My answer is I just have zero interest in this, quite frankly. And if there was nothing going on in sports today, I might tune in. But there is zero chance I'm tuning in. It's a limited baseball schedule. And uh, I'll watch some Twins and and Rays. But uh, I'll be watching the two basketball games. But uh, there's nothing that's going to get me to change my mind that I'm going to start caring about the NBA schedule release. Excuse me, an NFL schedule release in the month of May. Not happening. Yeah, so I, I think obviously for, for me, I'll uh, find out where we're, where we're at for who's playing who and what the national schedule is going to be. And just, you know, there's probably more excitement for teams that uh, have the opportunity to have a really good season. So there's just kind of that overall juice to it that you wouldn't typically have if, if your team's not going to have that kind of success for the year. Um, but from a schedule perspective here, is there one team that you like absolutely want to see a lot on national TV? Mm, not really. <laughs> uh, I guess Kansas City, they're the most fun team to watch. I mean, I wish I had a creative answer here, but I don't. Sorry. All right. Kansas City. Well, you'll get them for sure in uh, week one. You'll get them for sure in uh, Christmas Day. So I'm sure they will be maxed out. I'm sure there's also, I thought I read something that Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers have never faced off against each other. And I thought that the Chiefs and the Jets play. So I have to think that that would be a primetime matchup, Mahomes versus Rodgers. That should have been the first game. I wonder if you know, did you say that ESPN has the Monday night, the Aaron Rodgers first game. Is that right? Maybe yes. there was some kind of deal with ESPN because they guys, it turned out last year, they kind of got hosed by the schedule. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did. It yeah, seems like that happens every year. Ta- right. Everybody talked about the Thursday night games being bad last year. The Monday night games sucked last year, too, for the most part. We wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you on this Thursday, May 11th. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS. AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Of this 
Thursday, May 11th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, which I recommend you download the app, register, and take advantage of the listener rewards available to you. But it's that time once again, Bob. It is. Thank you, time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip to the cracks. Also, our guest today around the NBA was Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. We started off with some Suns and Nuggets talk, and we went through all the four conference semifinal series, of which are still, at least as of today, at least heading into tonight, all still uh, active. Nobody's been eliminated. Nobody's been advanced, advanced as of yet. And also, we talked uh, Sixers. And Celtics, uh, they got the Sixers side of things, and we got some Celtics uh, opinions too from Jeannie Mizell of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Sound of the day courtesy of TNT, ESPN, Bally Sports Arizona, LAD 570, that's the Dodgers flagship in Los Angeles. And special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Coming up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is uh, Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. Also a reminder for you, ASU Baseball at USC this weekend. Three-game series starts on Friday, pregame 6.15, first pitch at 6.30. And you can follow along on Friday, KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app. The Suns, they're hosting the Nuggets game 6, 7 p.m. on ESPN. There is a bit of news surrounding the Suns. So uh, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago now, uh, there was the announcement that the Suns had reached a deal with Gray Television that was going to air their games uh, you know, on Channel 3, Channel 5, and some other options as well. Well, Diamond Sports, uh, they were not happy with this, so they filed a, a motion to squash this agreement saying that the Suns had violated their rights. Well, a U.S. bankruptcy judge ruled in favor of Diamond Sports just yesterday. So they, he said that the team violated the rights of its current broadcast partner, which is Diamond Sports Group, ruled that because he said the new deal violated the right of Diamond Sports to negotiate a contract extension, uh, Sun CEO Josh Bartleson said that the team will work toward, quote, a fair resolution that will be in the best interest of our fans our community and our players so we'll see how all of this unfolds obviously diamond sports uh the parent company of uh valley sports arizona and they have filed bankruptcy so there's a lot going on here and so we'll figure out where sun's broadcasted games will be next year let me know how that goes. <laughs> okay. Over on the PGA Tour, AT&T, AT&T Byron Nelson. You still have Sun Yell No out in front. Uh, he shot an 11 under par 60. So we were on a 59 watch there for a little while. Adam Scott, uh, and uh, he is sitting in tied for second at 8 under par. Luke List is in fourth at seven under par. And as I mentioned here, uh, the scores are just so low. So Matt Kuchar at four under par, done for the day. He's now in a tie for 18th. So we'll see how that goes. Scotty Scheffler, he was the odds-on favorite heading into the event. He's three under par through four. So off to a really good start, tied for 26th. Our guy, Eric Cole, uh, he's three under par through seven. That's also good for tied for 26th. So we'll continue to monitor that situation uh, on the PGA Tour. 
So, Bob, I got a question for you when it comes to superstitions. Are you a superstitious guy? Um, actually, it kind of was when I, you know, played softball. Um, you know, you know, did the played third base, and I always made sure if we were in the third base dugout that I touched third base before the inning started and stupid stuff like that. And had I'm more of a I don't know if that's superstition or more of a routine. Uh, maybe a combination of both. Uh, as far as uh, you know, once again, going back, going back to the softball days, I did have a little routine thing, which I think was more routine than superstition in the on deck circle. But you know, whatever. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. That's the best I can do. <laughs> well, I do actually think you're on to something here. That uh, sometimes things are labeled as superstitious, but yet it's just routine because maybe uh, you find that you have more success by staying in a routine because you've practiced this routine oh, in yeah. practice. So then it just becomes you know transitional into game day, so that you're not uh, so that your brain is not confused as to what's going on. It's just habit it's just normal routine uh so i do think that there is definitely a difference between routine versus superstitious superstitious is like yo some lucky coin has to be in your sock or something like that right didn't do do that didn't do that okay uh, yeah i'm a big routine person as far as everyday stuff goes and uh yeah that's been going on forever and don't think it's changing now. <laughs> so, well, you know, I, I modify the routine from time to time depending on what's going on in my life. But, uh, you know, it's uh, much easier for me to know it's, you know, eight, eight o'clock in the morning. I know where I need to be as far as, you know, getting things done and get ready for the show and things, stuff like that. I know where I, I know where I, you know, if I'm behind, I know if you know, you're like, oh, I got an hour to go. I got to push this a little more. Uh, but uh, I guess that's strictly a routine thing. Now, how about fans being superstitious about uh, outcomes of their teams that they have zero control over? That's insane. <laughs> um, you know, or, you know, people that uh, you know, wear the same jersey to the same game, you know, team, and you know, where they have to. You know, even if they, you know, they lose and they still wear the same jersey the next game. So, you know, it, I don't know if that's that's just insanity. I don't think that's even either routine or superstition at that point. The Suns are hosting the Nuggets game six. It's a must win for Phoenix, 7 p.m. on ESPN. And if you missed it a little bit earlier, there was the news about uh, Nuggets guard Jamal Murray officially listed as questionable for tonight's game with an illness. So we'll continue to monitor that as well as it gets closer to tip off. Also happening downtown, the Giants are at the Diamondbacks, 6.40 p.m. on Bally Sports, Arizona. Alex Cobb versus Tommy Henry. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Thursday and we will be back with you tomorrow uh, with the Sports Zone 9 a.m. and the Extra Point 10 to noon. Enjoy your Thursday. Talk to you then.